and gentlemen, before we get into this episode, there are a couple of things I want to shout out. First of all, uh, is the Mama Youth Project, which is an organization that supports young people from underrepresented backgrounds getting into TV and film work. What they do is they train young people from those backgrounds with the skills to become work ready and gain employment within the broadcast and media industries and that is amazing. Like they'll train they train young people how to do research, how to do camera work, lighting, sound. It's just a really, really good project to get involved with. If you'd like to get involved in that please visit mamayouth.org so it's m-a-m-a youth.org.uk if you can donate that'd be fantastic if not go to the website see how you can help out give the facebook a like and like them on all forms of social media as well guys we have just come out of lockdown you lot are thirsty and what you need when you're thirsty is a good juice which is why black door juices has you covered they do organic press juices then they do deliveries and collections so if you are interested in some of the best juices you can get please visit black door juices that's b-l-a-q door juices on instagram Today's guest is a comedian who hosts his own podcast called the Hood Nanny Podcast, which you can get on all platforms, I believe. So please welcome Aaron Hood. Ah, Aaron, how you been, man? I've been good, man. Thank you for having me on, and uh, uh, I can't say a thank you for the movie choice, but it was. <laughs> um, it was I, I just want to apologise because the movie that I chose, I mainly chose it because I looked at a poster and I thought that would be quite fun to do an edit of. Um, but man, that was difficult to get through at times. That that was I've that was painfully dull. There was the really kind of like cringy bits in there, uh, and there's just like a nothing plot. Mm. You know, like they made all these great comedic actors just appear really, really flat with their delivery. Yeah, um, we'll get to the film in a bit. Um, how have you found this whole situation that we're in right now? Um. It's been bearable, really. I just stay inside. Netflix takeaway. Oh shit! What uh, have you been watching on Netflix? I've been watching uh, The Last Kingdom lately, which is uh, kind of like uh, before England was unified. It was like four kingdoms: Wessex, Mercia, Northumbria, and another one, East Anglia. That's where I live. Should have known that. But, <laughs> um, and kind of like there's King Alfred and the Vikings and yeah, there's lots of killing, lots of hunting, lots of violence, lots of intrigue and revenge. It's basically so it's Netflix. Historical Game of Thrones then. Yeah, basically, but better plots to know like dragons oh, and shit. Oh, I think you're going to have a, that's, a lot of people are going to have their pitchforks out for you after saying that, I think. <laughs> it's, the, it's just the last series, man. The last series, I, I, I loved it. Uh, it was getting a bit flat. Like I think it peaked from series two to four. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but seven i was like all right they'll wrap it up well and they'll get the nice conclusion but after the first episode they were just like because they got the contract to do star wars movies so they're like fuck it let's just get this done i don't care mm. and then then so they ruined it and their reputation but not their bank account and oh. disney actually cancelled them doing star wars movies so at least they didn't get their hands on that but Still, they, they they did some damage there. That was mm. not fun. I actually haven't made it through the last series yet, so I'm still just after the episode where Arya kills the White Walker, and I thought that's as good as it's going to get. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, it gets it gets way worse. It gets way 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 worse. How have you found uh, not doing comedy since? I I hate now? it. I, I miss it a lot. I've doing some virtual gigs. Um, how how, but- how have you found them? They were, they're good. They're all right. But I find it's like trying to re- trying to come off wean yourself off crack with paracetamol, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, how, many have you, how many have you done so far? I've done uh, three so far. I've got a fourth next week. Okay. Um, are they local? Or are they? Oh, but, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> have you done any of them? I've watched a couple. And to be honest, it's not for me. I mean, fair play if you want to do it yourself, but it's just not something I'm really interested in doing. And I'll happily just wait until actual gigs start up again. And if that means being a bit rustier than everyone else, then so be it. I just prefer to do it, you know, for a live audience, to be honest. But if I totally understand, it's certainly not a priority for me anymore. I'm, no. I'm, I'm moving into more online content like podcasts and mm. sketches and trying to just get my social media presence. Yeah, it's just really about staying in the zeitgeist at the moment, isn't it? And also trying to stay sane while doing so. Yeah, keeping up with cultural events. Like if it wasn't for WWE and AEW, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> and I've been watching um, uh, totally legitimate streams of the Bundesliga and uh, some UFC as well. So mm. I'm, I'm trying to just keep myself going. I try and go outside at least once a day so I don't crack and I get vitamin D. Mm. But um, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. It's just um, I don't get my usual release, but I try and like do something like work out to would release the tension. Usual, would stand up be your usual release then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And just get a lot of pent up stress and stuff mm. and it's um stand up is the vehicle that i deal with that but mm. uh i don't have that as much anymore so mm. i can get a bit frustrated but mostly i try and just keep myself sedated and in front of the telly oh, that's like well it is kind of like the best horse tranquilizer like television isn't it <laughs> yeah man it's you can just like blink and it's been five hours <laughs> and they judge you with you. Are you still watching? And like, of course I'm not. Of course I'm still watching. <laughs> I, I've actually done kind of the opposite thing, man. And I think I've been watching much less now than I was, than I was before because I'm uh-huh. just trying to find a bit like you, like you said, in the beginning, like you said earlier, just trying to find more creative ways to get comedy out there. Like, yeah. um, I've got a couple of projects in the works right now that I'm not really going to speak about at the moment, but yeah, I've got, I'm fine. It's about just about finding new ways to adapt to this new world, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, you've got to keep putting stuff out there to keep yourself sane and relevant. Mm. And also you have a chance of getting exposure and maybe getting, you know, a lot of more active audience members just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. I, 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 was, I had recently had a chat with an agent uh, last week that I wasn't, I didn't think I'd get to do at this stage, but they were very interested in me and that opportunity kind of arose from, you know, networking and stuff putting stuff out there on social media and putting out feeders. So it is a so good do, opportunity to grow in ways if you play it smart. Hmm. So how did that conversation come out with you, come about with you and the agent? Well, um, my friend, it turns out I was just looking for that sort of thing. I have been for a while and my mate has a representative. He's represented by him and, um, a close friend of mine and her boyfriend, who, the one who's represented by him, really highly recommended him. So I got in touch. I sent him some of her work and we had a half hour meeting, but we ended up on the phone for about an hour. Mm. And he, he's um, sending over some stuff. And it's nice to just have people, you know, in your invested in your career as much or to similar extent that you are. Mm. All right. So is that to do a stand up or is that? For acting or for writing, what is that for? Stand up mostly. Okay. I mean, I do want to get into acting. Um, of which is part of the reason I'm doing all these sketches mm -hmm. is to give myself uh, time to act. And uh, because my only other really experience was a few um, school plays uh, <laughs> and uh, like the opening sketch of a hood and Annie when I did those. Mm. So. It'd just be nice to get some more professional experience doing that. Maybe myself just an extra and then maybe earn a speaking role at some point. Hmm. Ah, that, sounds, that sounds good, man. It seems like everything's like kind of like coming up down buses for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty decent. I just, it's nice to feel like my career is going somewhere. Because mm. I think I'm reasonably funny. And when I'm on stage, I've got that stuff sorted. But it's just, um, you know... I've got the sausage made, but it's about, you know, people knowing that the sausages are there and sampling <laughs> my sausage, I suppose. <laughs> so to speak, man, so to speak. <laughs> I just got caught in that metaphor and I, I got trapped in the bit and I couldn't get out. You know, I don't think there's an open mic comedian who has never, who hasn't got into the, hasn't got caught up in a sausage metaphor. Yeah. It, or an uh, open mic male comedian. Yeah, just like, oh, thank you for your uh, wanking monologue, mate. It was really, it's the fifth one in a row, you know, well done. <laughs> How do you think, what do you think the comedy scene is going to look like once all this is over? I think it's going to take the, take a while. I think it's this whole year is like a write-off. And I think a lot of people won't be running after this or the people, a lot of people who are doing virtual gigs and stuff like that will hit the ground running, but I think a few people drop out and it'll, it'll probably take a hit, the same with everything else, because there's a lot of venues and pubs in danger of being put out of business. Mm. So I think it's going to be quite bad for, for in terms of venues or places available to perform for at least a couple of years afterwards, because mm. it's going to have that knock-on effect. If one industry's hit, others get hit by it, so... Anything with entertainment, hospitality, restaurants, uh, music venues, if they get hit because they also function as our venues, then we suffer as a result of that. Mm. Right. I think, 
I can't, I definitely agree with you on that front, but also I think that it is going to make way for a new guard to step in, if that makes sense. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, I don't know whether it'd be nice. It depends. If it claims decent promoters, that's a shame. But if there's dodgy promoters who rip off acts and stuff or mm. can't put on a good night anyway, then maybe sometimes you need to separate the wheat from the chaff. You yeah. know? I say, I know. You know, in terms of, it won't just be promoters, but it'd be like comics as well. Mm. A lot of scenes can get homogenized and you get a lot of, especially in local scenes, you get a lot of the same acts headlining the same nights all the mm. time. And you really don't get a chance to move up the card almost. So I think by necessity of some people pulling out or quitting or, you know, other, and a lot of acts being needed and stuff, mm. um, I think people might get the opportunity to uh, get to the paid slots, you know. So if you can stick it out, it might be worth your while in the long run. Mm. What's the scene, what was the scene like in Norwich before? Well, because I've done a couple of gigs up there. Or rather, East Anglia. What is the scene like up there? Because I've done, a, as I said, I've done a couple of gigs up there, but I've not fully experienced what it's like. Well, um, there's kind of three main sort of players. You got a decent open mic night called Fertile, which I perform at when I'm doing new material. But you've got mm. the Hood and Annie when that runs. It's probably running four times a year now, just so we can put a lot of love and attention into each show and make it special. Um, You've got Gonzo's, which run a very good night. Uh, it's the first gig I ever did was a Gonzo's. And the last gig I did in real life, uh, he said, um, you're, you're more than good enough. Next time you're back, you're paid. You're more than ready. And that meant a lot. Like the first place you, you, place you performed and now, you know, ready to pay you, think you're that good. That really means a lot. And Huma, who um, do nights all over Norwich, they run like eight, nine nights in different venues. They've really put an infrastructure for new people to start. And uh, over the last couple of years, definitely. Um, initially, Norwich was a scene where, you know, every comic sort of knew each other. And there's only a few of us. But now I've seen in, like a massive increase in new faces. So I think it's a really good scene. And... Um, uh, me and Gonzo's went into hibernation really apart from I've sent I'm in the process of getting the first virtual show Hood and Annie um, edited so that'll be out soon mm. but Uma are doing things like showcasing people's sets um, doing roast battles and t- tomorrow I'm uh, recording a roast battle for them that goes out their Sunday roasts. Mm-hmm. So there's bits and pieces for you still, you know, around here. Mm. But when it was before this, it was very, very healthy. Mm. Yeah, well, I think everywhere's kind of in the same boat like that, really, isn't it? Because as, as you can imagine, the London scene was absolutely teething, full of, full of everything. But yeah. now, now that everything's closed, it's... Every, it's everything's fair game essentially yeah people are transitioning to blogs uh, podcasts a lot, I've seen a lot of people moving to twitch and streaming as well yeah like there's been a few people that have been really successful on twitch and tiktok and that like um, do you know Isaac HP yeah Isaac um, 
Yeah, I'm quite good friends with Isaac. Uh, he uh, started in my neck of the woods in in Barry at my gigs and uh, in Norwich. So I know him very well. And he's moved to Brighton and he mm. started his own night before this. And he's making a name for himself. Like yeah, he's using social media really smartly. Yeah, he's like smashed the hell out of TikTok. And even though it's not something that I'm interested in really getting involved with. Fair play to him for doing it. Yeah, yeah, he's really took it. It's in a gap in the market. Really took advantage of it because comedy was on Instagram. You know, that kind of died to death mm. on Facebook and Instagram. It got really cringy, and now it's sort of moving to TikTok. TikTok's becoming the latest thing that's sort of booming over all mm. the other apps. Mm. I, 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 I only really started hearing about it five, six months ago, or or like last year even. And now it's just huge. Mm. I heard about it because I work in a school. So it's been all the range for about two, three years now anyway. Yeah. It goes to show how um, quickly out of touch you become with like, uh, you know, popular culture and stuff. Like mm. I kind of missed the, but I, like, the last thing for me was like everyone had Snapchat. And then we <laughs> did Instagram and I sort of missed the boat on that and kind of caught up with it too late. And by the time I caught up with Instagram, everyone's now talking about TikTok and I've just sort of retreated to YouTube and Twitch. Like I know my place. Man, just, I'm just, I just think staying on, I think we're just comfortable staying on our lanes, to be honest, and just yeah, building right. them. Yeah, just let leave, leave that to whoever wants it. It's, mm. it, it it, I wouldn't translate it well on there, I don't think. No, I'm not seeing myself doing any of the new dance crazes just for 10 likes or something like that. The flim flam. <laughs> what the fuck's flim flam? I don't know, I've just heard of it. I've just sort of heard of it. It's like a weird dance thing. It's the oh. only thing I've heard of. Oh, is it like the new version of the floss? I think so, yeah. Oh, Jesus, that's... And then there's all shit like that. There's that, the whip, the nay-nay, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. That's... Now, that's... Now, that I remember. The whip and the nay-nay, that was... I even remember the soldier boy. Yeah, man, that was... Um, 2015, that was. Fuck, man. Now, I feel old. So, <laughs> it just says how out of touch we are, we are if our closest reference to social media dances is the whip and the nene. I know, man. We're relic. <laughs> We're practically cremated already. Uh, well, you know what? At least we've got films and podcasts to keep us going. Huh? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. we've got the something, reason, man. The reason that we are here, or the main reason other than just to talk to each other and have um, some form of sense of um, normality is to talk about the Melissa McCarthy vehicle, uh, Life of the Party, which is um, where she, after her husband divorces, after a divorce, she decides to enroll back into the same college as her daughter and hilarity ensues. I think hilarity would be incredibly generous. Um, Melissa didn't just star in this, she helped write it. Yeah. And her husband helped, wrote it with Ben Falcone and directed it. Yeah. And even though a woman helped write it, 
a lot of um, most of the women come across as most as some written by someone who's never really interacted with a woman. Mm. Yeah. There's um, someone who's like adorable as in, you know, like the, the, the kind of awkward one. Um, I can't remember who plays her, but she's in also in Better Call Saul. She's a very good actress and they make her be the awkward one. They've got um, Gillian Jacobs who plays Britta in Community. It's, um, the coma girl. Yep. And, and that's, that's a quite good. Nerd a few people. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning, um, that, or well, that character, because that's, that is a very, that's a, that, that character is one is a fight is a prime example of where this film for me falls really, really short and falls really, really flat in that they, it takes, something that could be really, really funny or could actually have some heart to it, like her being in a coma for eight years and does fuck all with it. And uh, I think that goes for the plot and the directing. Mm. Because there's so many talented actors in this, uh, in this mm. um, comedy actors for it to be their fault. So it's got to be the, some of the writing and some of the direction. Mm. But it just feels like they deliver lines that should be funny, if mm. not laugh out loud, like at least a chuckle. But they deliver it so dry and flat that it just doesn't land. The, mm. the, the tone and the delivery is just way off. How much do you, how much do you reckon Ben Falcone just let Melissa McCarthy do what she wants to do in this film without giving her oh. too much direction? I I think she just I don't think she's the problem. I think she's one of the better ones in the film, by which I mean she's like average. The rest of it's just bland. It's like not even bad enough to be terrible. It's just very very boring. It's mm. just meh. Um, I, I think that because she is essentially the money maker in the, in that relationship in that marriage. I think that those two work to, I think she lets her husband direct her because she will, he will let her do essentially what she wants without saying about much input. Well, I think that's a benefit to working with her because it's nightmare enough when you have disagreements with talent. But mm. imagine if you can't even leave it at work. Mm. You know, you have, you're constantly, someone's in your ear having a go at you, you know, telling you what way that it should be done, hectoring mm. you, you can't escape it. Yeah. So um, I can imagine that has a lot of influence on it. But I've seen her do really, really good work. Like I've seen Melissa McCarthy do very, very funny. When she but, does Spicer on SNL, that's hilarious. Yeah, I agree. But none of those have Ben Falcone attached to them. Exactly. So she's always, she's good when she's got someone who is not afraid to rein her in, like say a Lorne Michaels or a Paul Feig who, who directed her in um, uh, Bridesmaids, which I didn't really like to be honest, or Spy or, or The Heat. When she's got someone who actually gives her some direction and some better writing, she's great. But when she's allowed to just do whatever she wants, like 
how many platforms she wants. Uh, it just doesn't work at all. No, it, it feels like she needs a firm kind of steady hands to mm. just, or just something actual to work with, some feedback at least, rather than just, oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Like, you know, just, you, you know, a director's got to push you, really take you out of your comfort zone a bit, yeah. really give you things to work on, things mm. you need to do better. And if you can't do that, that you're just going to get a very mediocre performance. This is a, for me, a week. So that's the end of part one of my conversation with Aaron Hood. If you like what you heard, please click up and listen to part two.